Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. You. So you're in a series, Guardrails, based off the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus' message, Jesus' teaching a group of people who were brought up under the Old Testament Mosaic Law. There was many of them, over 600. And he kept saying, you have heard it said this. And he was referring to the Old Testament law. You have heard it said that you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. He's saying, but I'm saying, but I am saying that you need to do something else. He said, you may have heard it said that you should not murder. He said, but I say you can't even hate someone, that you're, that you're in your heart showing that. He said, you've heard it said that you should not commit adultery, but I'm saying that you can't even look after a woman lustfully in your heart. You're committing adultery with her. And he said, you know, you've heard it said, if an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, if someone hits you on one cheek, you know, you can smack them back. He's saying, look, if someone hits you in one cheek, turn to them the other. You don't respond that way anymore. He was changing it. He was, he was flipping it on them. It was, it was a big paradigm shift for these people. And so today, as we are in this Sermon on the Mount, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, and again, Jesus has been teaching. I think last week you talked about uh, marriage and divorce, right? I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't land on that one. That would have been, that would have been a little tough. But here's Jesus talking about oaths and swearing, and he says this in verse 33 in the NIV. He said, again, you have heard it was said to the people long ago, don't break your oath, but fulfill the Lord to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath, at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot, even, uh, cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So Jesus, again, is referring to these Old Testament oaths, irreverent oaths, and it forbid that you would do anything irreverent and, and use the Lord's name or broken vows. And once the Lord's name was invoked on something that you would say, I swear by God or I swear to God or whatever that may be, that once you did that, that that had to be paid in full. So certain things that you swore on didn't have as much weight as other things according to what you used to swear by. So if it's, these oaths were designed to encourage truthfulness, but however, they would actually be occasions for clever lies and deceit. And Jesus came and said, I'm just gonna abolish all of this. Let's just keep it easy. Let's not swear by anything because you swear by God or you swear by this and some carries more weight than the others. He said, let's just keep it simple. Just let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Let's be people of integrity that do what they say they're gonna do and do the right thing. So that's kind of what he's saying here. And so I, I kind of summarize that whole thing and to say this, and you've probably heard this before, say what you mean, mean what you say, and do what you say you'll do. Say what you mean, mean what you say, and do what you say you'll do. So we need to put guardrails up in the areas of our mouths, of our tongue, to make sure that it doesn't take us places that we don't wanna go or God doesn't intend us to go. How many of you have ever said something that you wish you could have taken back, right? When I was a child, before the days of computers and cell phones, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough that when I was growing up, I had a twin sister and a sister who was 13 months older than us, that the thing that caused the most friction in the relationship with my siblings was the telephone, okay? And as an eighth grader, I had some relationships that needed tended to in the evenings. And so 
I would get my time slot, and we would fight over the time slot of when we could get on the phone and when we could call people and, and when I could call my friends and specifically some lady friends that I was very interested in. And so my sister had exceeded her time limit, and I was getting angry. It's time to get off the phone. It's my turn. I need to make some calls. It's going to be bedtime soon. Mom and dad are going to shut the phone down. It's time for you to get off the phone. Give me a minute. I said, give me a minute. So I just got mad and mad. And so we had a cordless phone. How many of you remember those? Do any of you? I've never even owned a landline as my adult life. Isn't that amazing? Never even had one. So all, all my kids know are cell phones. We had at my parents' house, they have one, and my daughter was like, what is this? I was like, I don't even know. I don't know what that is anymore. So we had a cordless phone, and then we had a landline that had a super long cord. And so you could take that cord over about half the house. And my sister had stretched that cord out to the front porch and was sitting on the front porch on the phone. So I reminded her again, hey, it's time to get off the phone. Well, finally, she... Uh, she just wasn't going to get off, and so I did the only thing that I knew to do. I just unplugged the cord from the phone, grabbed the cordless phone, locked the door, and started making my phone call, standing in front of the door. She's banging on the door. She's screaming and yelling. By this time, it made the commotion. My uh, mom comes, and she wants to end the squabble, you know, and she just says, that's it. Everyone's off the phone. The phone's shut down for the night. Both of you go to your room. Well, that was unfair, Completely unfair. I just got it. My relationship was going to end. If I did not call this girl, it was going to be over. My eighth grade world would come collapsing down on me, and my mom did not understand the severity of the situation. She said, I don't care, Kyle. Go to your room. This was my BC days, okay? That's before Christ. And as an eighth grader, I said something that I really wish I could take back. And I said, you know what? You're a cuss word. I'm not going to tell you what it was. And she stopped, and she looked at me. Her eyes got really big, and I was like, oh, no, what did I just say? I, and I said, she said, go to your room, and said the worst words you could ever hear. Wait for your father to get home. <laughs> oh. I was like, can't we just rewind this whole thing, pretend it never happened? I'll go to bed. I'll remain quiet. We'll stop fighting. So I'll never forget. I get up to the room, and I'm waiting for my dad to get home. By that time, it was close. So I didn't have to wait too long, thankfully. And my dad gets there, and he looks me in the eye, and he said, tell me what you called your mother. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. He said, tell me what you called your mother. So I said the word, and he looked at me, and I'll never forget. He said, that may be your mom. He said, but that's my wife. He said, don't you ever talk to my wife that way again. And then he took off his belt and whooped me. And guess what? <laughs> I never called my mom that ever again. I learned my lesson. But sometimes we say things that we wish we could take back. And the book of James gives us some instruction, some guardrails on how to protect our words and what we say. James chapter 1, 19, really the whole book. I love James because James was Jesus' brother, and he was like a straight shooter. You know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't try to beat around the bush. He just told you straight up, this is how it's going to be. So in verse 19 of chapter 1, he says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. In James 1, 26, he said, If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, if you don't have guardrails up in the area of your mouth, 
said, you're just fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. Powerful words. Then in James chapter 3, verse 1 through 12, it's kind of a lengthy passage, but I believe it's all worthy of reading this morning. And he's again instructing them. He said, dear brothers and sisters, how many of you should become, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control our lives in every other way. We could make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. There's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I told you he was a straight shooter, right? Verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. Pray with me. God, today we just open our hearts to receive your word. God, we understand how difficult it can be to control our mouth and to control what we say. And Lord, I know our heart is to praise you and to honor you in every area of our lives. So I pray this morning that with these simple truths from your word, that maybe possibly with your help of the spirit, God, that we can control this thing, that we can bring it under submission to you. Open our hearts to receive what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. How do we keep our tongue in check? What are some guardrails for us that James tells us? And I think they're pretty simple. The first one is this. Talk less, listen more. (laughs) How many of you know someone that just... (laughs) Right? I'm not at my home church this morning, and hopefully my mom doesn't, but my mom is a talker, man. Like, I can remember at church just waiting, you know, as a kid, like, oh... Like, I knew we were going to be the last ones to leave, right? My mom's in the back. She's waiting. Anyone who would come out, hey, what's up? She would talk to anybody and everybody, just a talker. And sometimes Proverbs says talking too much is just what gets us in trouble, that we just talk too much, that we should just slow it down a little bit, talk less and listen more. Proverbs ten nineteen says, don't talk so much. You keep putting your foot in your mouth. Be sensible and just turn off the flow. Turn off the faucet. Just quit talking so much. Proverbs 17, 28, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. See, I am a preacher, so I talk too much all the time, right? We preach too long. Hopefully I won't do that this morning. But, and I can tend to be a terrible listener. And if you doubt that, you can ask my wife, right? 
I just don't listen well because I'm a type A personality. I'm constantly thinking and moving and on the go and conquer one thing and it's off to the next. And so I can just be a bad listener sometimes and I don't listen well. So it's something that I have to be very intentional about. And so when I meet with people as a pastor and I I meet with our team and our staff and I'm coaching them and they come to me with a problem, I tend to just hear one thing and then I just take off and go, hey, here's what you need to do. Here's how we need to fix it. This is what we're going to do. Are you listening to me? Listen to me. Listen to me real closer. And I'll just tell them what to do. Tell them what to do. And the Bible is saying, don't do that. You get in trouble. People just want you to listen to them. They just want to be heard. And I think a lot of ways we can just keep our tongue in check is to make sure that we are turning off the flow sometimes. That when we get in situations that we know, like, hey, this is a... This is kind of an elevated situation, or this, I'm angry, or I'm upset, and when I tend to get depressed, I tend to say too much and air too much of the dirty laundry of our family. You know, I'm just going to be sensible and turn off the flow. And can I say this too, just as a side note? Don't post your dirty laundry on Facebook, okay? I mean, it's just not good. And once it's out there, you may go back and delete it, but it's out there. I can screenshot anything you say and keep it and hold on to it. And I see it too much with people in our church. They get mad at somebody in the church, someone in their family, and they'll maybe not name names, you know, but everyone knows who they're talking about. You know what I do to those people? I unfollow them. I say, you're not sensible. You're putting your foot in your mouth. Just stop doing that. Abe Lincoln said, it's better to talk less and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Talk less, listen more. Just think about it. Play the odds. I'm an odds guy, right? See, I live in Columbus. I grew up as a Buckeye fan. The odds are usually in our favor. So I, I play the Buckeyes. I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'm betting on the Buckeyes just because they're better than everyone else, right? So you play the odds. When you look at situations, you go, what are the odds? What are the... And so you're typically going to do where the odds are in favor. Proverbs is saying, look, the odds are in your favor if you just zip it, be quiet, guardrail, keeping our tongue in check. We need to talk less and listen more. Be intentional. Make sure you're focusing on people, listening to them, taking in what they're saying. Second thing we need to do is think before you speak. He said, be slow to speak, slow to speak. And that just means that we have to think before we speak. The other day, we were having a, a staff over for the 4th of July at our house, and it was a cookout, and it was busy, lots was going on, and I was running errands and trying to get everything done to get back to the house, and so earlier that day, my wife had thrown her back out, okay? So I've never thrown my back out. Has any, have you have anyone here ever thrown your back out before? I guess it's extremely painful, but I don't sympathize or empathize well with it because I've never experienced it, right? And I was busy. And so I get in, and I'm coming in the house, and, and, I, and Jess goes, and she has this look on her face, and I said, what's going on? She said, I threw my back out, and I was in a hurry, okay? And I did not practice this. I was not thinking before I speak. She said, I said, what's wrong? She said, I threw my back out. And I said, well, throw it back in. I just kept going. <laughs> How many of you know that wasn't the right thing to say, right? <laughs> she just looked at me, and then she later brought it up, and I said, that was my bad. I'm sorry. I was kind of joking, but kind of not, you know, where you could go either way. And I just said, that was my bad. And so I was getting a cold shoulder for a little while. And thankfully, my wife is very forgiving, and she let me sleep in our bed that night. (laughs) But I wasn't thinking before I speak. 
You see, a lot of times we think because we live in America that we can just say whatever we want. Right? That there's actually laws that say, yeah, there's freedom of speech. The Article 19 of the Declaration of Human Rights states that every human has the right to speak freely without censorship. How many of you know that the day you gave your life to Christ, you gave up all of your rights? We gave up all of our rights. So we don't have a right to say whatever we want. We don't have a right to say whatever we're feeling that we need to think before we speak. There's also another law called the fifth, right? I think some of us need to start pleading the fifth more than we start exercising our free right to say whatever we want. It'll save you a lot of heartache and trouble sometimes where someone just says, what do you think about that? You know, I'm gonna plead the fifth on that. What do you think about what's going on in president? Oof. Plead the fifth. Because it's talking about here, we're gonna get into it a little bit more, but our words are supposed to bring life. Our words are supposed to build up. Our words are supposed to edify. And our tongue, it said, man, it's a small thing. One word can set a whole forest on fire. And we just need to sometimes think before we speak. The day you decided to follow Christ, you gave up your rights. And you represent Jesus to everyone around you. Everyone. So you aren't just yourself or your own mouthpiece. We are the mouthpiece of Jesus. What we say, what we do is representing the one who saved us. So Jesus gives us some instruction on how we are to live and what we are to do. And one of those things is is sometimes we just got to think before we speak. Albert Einstein said, if A equals success, then the formula is A equals X plus Y and Z with X being work Y being play, and Z, keeping your mouth shut. Success. You know, filters are good things at our church. We got this new building, and I'm the janitor right now. Well, not my associate helps me with it, but I'm kind of the facilities guy because he's not real good with stuff like that. And so I'm, I'm responsible for changing all of the filters on our heaters and air conditioner units. And so... They, uh, during the construction phase, I wasn't too aware of how dirty they can get. And so they were clogging up and messing with our heaters, and it was a cold winter, right? It was cold. And so the heaters would break, and so finally they were like, look, the guy came the second time, and he was like, you need to change these filters like every five or six days. You just need to keep changing them. Because filters keep the impurities out. Filters keep the, the bad stuff from getting in. And I think there's a filter that we can have that will help us think before we speak. And there's an acronym, THINK, and, and this will really help us with when it comes to especially the area of gossip. And gossip is defined as casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. That's gossip defined. And gossip gets us in a lot of trouble. And so to avoid gossip, you gotta put it through this filter. You need to think before you speak. The acronym THINK, the first thing you need to do, this is the filter. You need to say, is it true? Before you talk, before you say something, is it true? Is this actual truth? Can you confirm that it is true? If you cannot, it's gossip. Don't say it. That's the filter. If you do not know it's true, do not say it. Man, that's the first step. That should eliminate a lot of stuff. Think, H, is it helpful? 
Is it helpful? Is this going to build someone up or is it going to tear someone down? Is this going to bring life or is it going to bring death? Because James says our words can do that. Think. Is it true? Is it helpful? I. Is it inspiring? Is it going to motivate people? Is it going to inspire them to be all that God has called them to be? Is it going to inspire them to remain faithful to the call of God on their life? Is it going to encourage them to be a greater follower of Jesus? And Think. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? In. Is it necessary? Is it necessary? Is this really important enough to be having this conversation, going there, talking about this person, talking about this situation? Is it necessary? K, is it kind? Is it beneficial? So think. This is the filter we should put things through. And then as you get that information, also think about this. Do I have permission to say what I'm about to say? Do I have permission? Would they want me telling that? Would my wife, would my husband, would my coworker, would my family member, would my sibling, would they want me to repeat this? And then what are your motives? Are your motives pure? Think, that'll help us. So we have to be slow to speak, talk less, listen more. We need to think before we speak. Third thing we need to do is guardrails is we need to make a commitment to build others up. To build others up. This is our commitment as Christ followers. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death. To me, it's very humbling to consider how much weight our words carry. It's humbling to consider that. And I'm so thankful for the people in my life that spoke life over me. Teachers, parents, loved ones who would say, Kyle, Man, follow God's call on your life. Youth pastors who would say, you can do it. Pursue that calling. It doesn't matter how many times you fall, just keep getting back up. People who spoke life over me that would encourage me. There's so many times that I can remember a kind word that someone would say to me in a difficult situation that I was facing, and they would say, you can do it. You're gonna be great. God's got a plan. Stay faithful and how that, the life that it would bring into that situation. Saying you have the power of life and death. Think about the times, though, that people said the opposite and how I remember those times where the sting of someone's hurtful words to me where, where they weren't encouraging, they weren't inspiring, they weren't building me up, they were trying to tear me down. I think about the power that my words carry. I have a <clears throat> two-year-old little boy, he'll be three in October, and a four-year-old little girl who will be five in October. Birthdays are just about a week apart. And so every night when we go to bed, we pray together. And, you know, Riley will pray for her friends and Sophia the princess and sometimes Dora. And then Maddox will follow his sister's lead and pray pretty much the exact same prayer that she prays. And every night, though, Jess will take Maddox and she gets him in his bed and I go with Riley. But before Jess will take Maddox, I tease him every night, I do the same thing. He tries to give me a kiss goodnight and I won't let him and I won't let him and I finally let him and then I take him and I put him down on the floor 
and I grab his little face, and I'll say, look at Daddy. And he'll look at me, and he's got the drill now. I've done it so many times. And I'll say, Daddy's so proud of you. Daddy loves you so much. No matter what you do, Daddy's always going to be here. I'll always protect you. I'll always keep you safe. And I'm always going to help you pursue God's plan for your life. I said, I'm so glad you're my son. And now he will say, I'm so glad you're my daddy. (laughs) And then I'll put him, and I go into Riley's room, and I'll say, you're daddy's princess. You're the most beautiful girl in the world. Daddy loves you so much. And they're, they're getting sick of it by now. But every night, I do the same thing over and over again, telling them how much I love them, how proud I am, and how beautiful they are, and how they're going to do great things for God, because I know that my words carry life and death. So I'm going to speak life every chance I get. Some of you have been crushed by hurtful words. You've never gotten over it. To think about the weight our words carry, that we need to make a commitment as Christ followers to build one another up. Build other believers up, build the lost up, build coworkers up to speak life over them thing. And practice makes perfect. So I wanna challenge you to do this. For the next 48 hours, two days, see if you can do everything within your power, and we're gonna talk about how we can do this in a second, to only speak positive things about or to your spouse, your children, your family, your friends, about your job, about your health, about our world, about the government, about the Supreme Court rulings. Come on. 48 hours, give it a try. See if you can do it 48 hours. Spouse, call them on it. Friend, family member, whoever you're with today, Call him on it. Say, hey, that preacher from Columbus said, you can't say negative things to me. Catch yourself. But watch the power of your words. So not only stopping yourself from saying negative things, say positive things. Tell your wife how pretty she looks, how you like that shirt that she's wearing. Tell your kid how proud you are. Whatever it may be, 48 hours. Practice makes perfect. Let's see if we can do it. And the last thing we need to do to keep our tongue in check is we need to submit to the Spirit we need Jesus. <laughs> James is laying out here. He's like, look, you, this thing is wild. This mouth of yours, it's wicked. He said, blessing and curse come from the same one. You come in here and you say, Lord, we lift you up and we praise you and we love you, God. And then we get in our car and someone cuts us off and something else comes out. Right? He's saying blessing and cursing, praise, swearing coming from the same mouth. And so we need to submit to the Spirit. We need to allow the Spirit to have its way in our life so that we can be who God's called us to be. You know, as you look at the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus was doing was this, is that Jesus raised the standard, right, in every area of the law. It wasn't like he said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I'm coming to raise the standard. You've heard it said you can't murder. He said you can't even hate. You've heard it said you can't commit adultery. He said you can't even look after a woman that way. So in every area of the law, he was raising the standard. And we like to use Old Testament law to say, well, you know, it said this, and Jesus was the New Testament guy, and he changed all of it. It's like, no, 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 no. If if Jesus changed anything, he just raised the bar. 
But the reason he raised the standard was to reveal our need for a savior. He was talking to the religious people, to the Jewish people. He's trying to reveal to them. He's going, you've tried to keep this law and you can't do it. And I'm coming to fulfill the law. And the only way that you can actually live this out, the only way you can live as a true follower of me is to submit to the Spirit, to give your life, to surrender your life to a loving Savior who will empower you and give you the strength that you need to be all that he's called you to be. So he was raising the standard. He's raising it here. Just let your yes be yes, your no be no. Be people of integrity. But you can't do that without me. You need me. We need Jesus. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So it doesn't just happen. We don't just come to church. No, there's an intentional choice that has to happen on a daily basis where we say, Jesus, you're in control. I'm surrendering to you. I'm going to heed the direction of your spirit. I'm going to allow your spirit to guide me in my life. So then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which just is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. How encouraging is that? For the rest of your life, until you get to heaven, you're going to have this thing called the flesh, and you're going to have this thing called the Spirit. The flesh is going to go, what did you say to me? The Spirit's going to go, shh. The flesh is going to go, I'm going to pay you back. The Spirit's going to go, no, you're not. It's the devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other, right? Which one do we listen to? Which one are we letting control our life? And he's saying, I say to you, Paul's saying, let the Holy Spirit, let the Spirit guide you, not your flesh. But you can't do that on your own. You have to give God permission to change us, to change our hearts, to mold us into who he wants us to be. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to control our tongue. We have to give him permission to do so. And what you fuel will win. What you fuel will win. So what are you fueling? What are you feeding? Matthew 12, 34 said, How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. You see, the problem isn't with our mouth. The problem is our heart. What are we putting in here? What are we investing in here? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What you fuel will win. What are you entertaining yourself with? What you fuel will win. What are you putting in? Negative thoughts? Negative words? What are you allowing to come out? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. The band's going to come. We're going to close out today. But I think that's the question as we end is, what are we fueling? Paul said, so I say, let, allow the Holy Spirit to control your life. Then, then and only then will we be able to do 
what the Spirit desires for us to do. What you put in is what's going to come out. So today we need to make a commitment. How do we rule this thing? What's the big guardrail? I mean, we know we got to be slow to speak. We got to just be sensible sometimes and just talk less and listen more. But to me, the biggest thing that we got to do is just submit. Say, God, I want to be used by you. I want to be someone who brings life into my family and life over my marriage and life over my children. I want to be someone who's known as someone who brings joy and, and is a positive person and not have an attitude that's always down and doom and gloom and speaking negative things. I, I, I want to become that. But if we're going to do that, it takes intention. It takes us surrendering to the Spirit. So today, as we close out, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Listen, you'll never be able to do what God's called you to do without his help. So many people in our world are lost, and we have this awesome opportunity to be the light of the world to them. But how can we ever expect someone who doesn't know Jesus to be like Jesus, right? That's what we want. With everything that's going on in our world right now, I mean, I just wish they would change. I wish this, I wish this, this. Look, the behavior is not going to change until the soul is changed. They need Jesus. And maybe you're here and you're one of them. You, you know, like, I need Jesus. Man, I, I'm not living a life that's surrendered to the Spirit. I'm not allowing the Spirit to rule in my life and to lead me and to control not just my mouth, but everything that I do. I'm not submitted to Him yet. So if you wouldn't mind, if you would just bow your heads with me and close your eyes, I want to give those of you who are far from God an opportunity in this moment to give control to him, to surrender your life. Look, there's a difference between believing in Jesus and surrendering your life to him. The Bible said even the demons believe, and they even tremble at his name. But have you surrendered your life? Have you given control of your life to Jesus? Have you repented of your sin and said, God, I turn from my own self. I turn from my wicked ways and I surrender to you. The grace of God welcomes all of us this morning. Jesus died for you so that you could experience the freedom that is only found in him. And when you surrender yourself to him, the Bible says that he makes you brand new, that the old is gone, the new will come, that your past will be forgiven and he will give you the power and the strength that you need to fulfill your future in him. So today, if you're here and you say, Kyle, that's me. I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never given him control. I've never put him in the driver's seat. Today, I want to do that. I want to submit to the Spirit and allow him to lead my life. Would you just raise up your hand real quick? I want to pray for you today. Thank you. Up in the balcony. Awesome. Thank you. Down here. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Anyone else? Kyle, that's me. I want to submit to the Spirit. Amen. If you raised your hand and if everyone in this room believes this, would you just say this simple prayer after me? The Bible says when we confess in our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus died for us, that he was raised to life, that he will invade your life. He'll forgive you of your sin and give you a new life. So just repeat this after me. Just say, dear Jesus, today I invite you in. I surrender to you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you're the son of God, that you died for me, 
so I could live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would the rest of you stand? And can we rejoice with heaven real quick this morning over the ones who repented? The Bible says all of heaven rejoices just over one. And today there was a few hands that went up saying, man, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. For the rest of us today, I wanted to encourage you with this psalm. Psalm of David, 19, verse 14. David was described as a man after God's own heart, right? I love David because he was described as that, but we all know he made some big mistakes, right? He made some big mistakes. But David said this, he said, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, reminding us again that these two things are connected. Our heart and our mouth, they're connected. He said, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, may they be pleasing to you. Today, can we make that our prayer, as David did, to say, God, this is my prayer, that the words of my mouth, what I'm investing in here, the meditations of my heart, what I'm fueling, what I'm feeding, God, may they be pleasing to you. And if we can get that down, if we can surrender those things to the Lord, I believe through his power, through his strength in your life, that he can do that. So as the band leads the song and as the prayer team comes, if you need prayer, maybe you're saying, man, Kyle, I'm struggling in this area. Man, I'm struggling in some relationships. I'm struggling with gossip. Man, I'm not speaking life over my kids, over my marriage. There's tension. Man, I've got a foul mouth. I don't, I'm not representing Jesus well at all to those I work with, to my neighbors. And man, I want that. Man, this is my prayer today that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, that my life would be pleasing to Jesus. God, we need your help. We can't do it on our own. It's only by your spirit. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. And so today, God, we once again commit to you. We submit to your spirit. We allow it to rule in our lives. We make a commitment to fuel, God, our spirit, to spend time in your word, to spend time in prayer, to invest the best of ourselves where it matters most in your presence, Jesus. We need you this morning. God, as we sing this song, I pray that your presence would fill this room. God, that it would change us, that it would mold us and shape us into who you want us to be. Amen. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be
appreciate the word Kyle brought to us this morning. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. He does a great job um, doing an incredible work at Adventure Church in Columbus, Ohio. If you've got friends in Columbus, send them to uh, Adventure Church. It's on the north side. They're doing a great job there. If you're a guest with us today, again, I want to encourage you, fill out the guest card, drop it off at the uh, cafe. We'd love just to get to know you a little bit. Uh, Kyle's going to be out in the lobby following service. I'll be out there. We'd love to say hi to you, get to know you a little bit as well. Uh, If you want to give today, it's really simple. We value generosity around here, and one of the reasons we value it is because we can invest 
in churches like Adventure Church. We can invest in ministries like theirs. We can bless uh, pastors like these to do incredible works. And so if you're interested in giving, uh, we believe in generosity around here. We believe in being a blessing. And if you want to give, all you have to do is you can take that offering envelope. It'll tell you all the different ways that you can give. It's in the seat back in front of you. You can give with cash. You can give with a check. Make, if you make it out to the summit, uh, you can give with a debit or credit card. Um, if you want to do that online at summittogether.com, hit the give button. If you want to do it via, via your mobile device, just text uh, Summit PA to 77977. It'll tell you how you can do that. It's really simple, really easy. So there's a number of ways that you can express your generosity to the Lord and just be a blessing today. So if you're interested in doing that, please do that. The offering boxes are in the back of the room. So as you're leaving, you can drop your tithing offering in there. And uh, don't forget, tonight at 6 p.m., we've got a night of worship. It's going to be incredible. You do not want to miss it. So be here tonight. Let's pray over the offering. Then we'll get out of here. God, thank you so much for everything you've given us. I pray that as we give back to you today, we would see blessing in our lives. Lord, not just a monetary blessing, but God, bless us in every aspect and every facet of our lives. Lord, bless our relationships. Lord, bless our health. Lord, let us walk in your blessing as we walk in obedience to you. So Lord, I pray a blessing on those that are giving today. I pray that they would experience you in really incredible ways. I pray your blessing on Adventure Church and Kyle Hammond. God, bless what they're doing. Be glorified there. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.